beautiful to hear God's church sing about how they can see him now. We can see the love in his eyes. And uh, it's my prayer that those aren't just words on a screen that uh, you repeat because that's what everyone else is doing. Uh, but I pray that those, uh, those words hold truth in your life. They hold power in your life that you truly can see God, that you truly can see the love that he has for you as his creation, um, his beloved creation. So since I've been here as a pastor at the beginning of 2019, uh, boy, a lot has happened uh, since then. Uh, there have been four people who have dedicated their life to God and his son Jesus uh, through baptism. And today is a special occasion. I've been waiting for this day uh, for quite some time now, a good opportunity, a spot to place it in our schedule, specifically uh, our preaching uh, calendar schedule, or I guess the calendar that that I look over. Um, But today we're going to honor these people by handing them uh, baptism certificates. In reality, uh, these are just uh, pieces of paper, but these pieces of paper represent Uh, the biggest decision um, in their lives that they have made by dedicating their life to God and his son Jesus uh, through baptism. And this morning we have three of these lovely uh, ladies uh, here today. Um, So first I'd like to call up Miss Evelyn Haynes and Ellie Haynes. If you come on up. Evelyn Here's a certificate to acknowledge you baptized on June 9th, 2019, and Ellie, here is your certificate. Uh, I want to brag on these two ladies. These two ladies, uh, they, I've gotten to know them uh, a lot more through our midweek service, our youth group, um, and uh, they are like a sponge. Sometimes I am teaching, speaking, and I wonder, are, are the people I'm talking to, are they really uh, getting, getting anything out of this? Uh, but then at the end, we'll start asking questions, and they repeat line after line after line in the stories, and I've just been extremely impressed with both Evelyn and Ellie, and I've seen them grow over these past two years as the baptism was just the beginning of uh, their life and their journey and their walk uh, with God. So uh, a huge round of applause for Evelyn and Ellie. Awesome, awesome. And then uh, we also have Brenda. Brenda, you'd come on up here. Brenda was baptized on June 7th, uh, 2020. Brenda, there's your certificate to acknowledge that you've been baptized um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, brag on Brenda here uh, a minute. I uh, first met Brenda um, as a, a stranger. I didn't, I, had, I didn't know Brenda. She was a, a member of this church when we first met. Um, she came here once, and we went out to lunch. I don't know if you remember with uh, you and Angie. We went out to what then uh, was called forget what it's called, but now it's Studebaker, uh, the, the O'Connors, O'Connors, um, and uh, really seen Brenda grow a lot in her faith and her life and her journey, um, and she has been an extremely consistent and loyal member here at the church. Um, recently, uh, I've uh, tasked her with uh, heading up a decorations uh, committee um, and being in charge of the decorations around the church, and she is extremely faithful uh, to God's church, which tells me that at home in her life, she is extremely uh, faithful to um, God and uh, her Lord and Savior Jesus as well. So I've been extremely impressed, um, proud uh, to have met uh, Brenda. 
Um, so a big round of applause again for these three lovely ladies. Yes. Now this time I'll call up John, Mark, and Brian. Um, and Jeff, you want to come up too as well. We'll lay our hands on Brenda, Evelyn, and Ellie. If you ladies would step uh, in front of... Uh, not really a pulpit, but the pulpit, I'll call it. Um, and we'll lay our hands on you three ladies. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, offer up a prayer for these three ladies. Father God, we love you. Father God, uh, I just thank you for the examples that Evelyn, Ellie, and Brenda have set before each and every one of us and dedicating their life to you and to your son. Father, I just thank you for baptism and all that it means for us as your children. Father, I just pray that you fill Brenda and Evelyn and Ellie with your spirit, that they can be empowered uh, through the gifts of the spirit, through uh, the fruit of the spirit. And Father, I just pray that, uh, again, this is just the beginning of their journey, of their walk with you and your son, and I pray that day in and day out, they uh, set apart to focus in on you and your son and your coming kingdom, and they, they shine a light to the world, to their family, to their friends, and, and everyone else around them. And Father, uh, we just thank you as a church for uh, these three ladies and the choices that they've made uh, two years ago and a year ago. And so, Father, again, we just thank you for uh, baptism and all that it represents. And we especially thank you this morning for these three ladies. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. And you may all be seated. Yes. And Junior Church, uh, you are all set to go uh, downstairs. What a joy. Uh, it's got to be the greatest joy um, of being a pastor, uh, of witnessing um, the church body dedicating um, their life to God and his son Jesus through uh, water baptism. Uh, I still remember crystal clear uh, the day uh, when I got baptized, January 25th, 2009, uh, my grandpa baptizing me at my home uh, church, Garden Park, and uh, it, it truly is the beginning of a journey. It's the beginning of new life, um, and uh, I'm overjoyed that I was able to witness uh, the new life of Brenda, Evelyn, and Ellie. And so today... If you haven't quite figured it out yet, we're going to be talking all about baptism and, and all that baptism represents. We're going to be taking a, a look at a couple of different examples of people getting baptized, uh, specifically in the book of Acts. So the word baptize occurs 71 times in the Bible, and all 71 times take place in the New Testament. As baptism, it, it was started, it was initiated by John the Baptist, he baptized uh, people getting ready, uh, getting ready for uh, the Messiah to come, as that was his role, that was his ministry, that he had prepared the way for the Lord. And part of this uh, responsibility of, of preparing the way for the Lord is he baptized people um, by immersing them in the waters and, and bringing them up out of uh, the water. Um, and ever since then, baptism has been a key part of our Christian faith. Now, the Greek word for baptism, Baptize is baptizo. 
Um, and it means to immerse. That, that's kind of the, the literal translation of baptizo, to immerse or to dip under. So uh, when I, I think scripturally speaking, the, the proper way of uh, baptizing is they are to be fully immersed under the water, and they are then taken up out of the water. And this representation, uh, it, it represents a number of different things, and, 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 and it proves how vital baptism truly is to our faith and to our walk with God and his son, Jesus Christ. It's truly one of the key elements of Christianity. I'm sure for all of us who have been baptized here today, I, I would bet that every single one of us remember the day that uh, we were baptized, because just how much value, how much worth baptism has in our lives, as it represents a number of different things. Number one, it represents Jesus' burial and resurrection in your life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 states, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So Paul states that we have been buried with Jesus, we've been buried with him in baptism, and at the same time, we are raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. And so when someone is baptized, when they are dipped under the water, when they are immersed in the water, that re represents them being buried in the, with, with the, the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. And if we remember from the, the crucifixion story, the story of Good Easter uh, or Resurrection Sunday, we remember that on the third day, Jesus didn't remain in the grave. He didn't remain underwater, but Jesus, he rose from the grave. He rose victoriously, and when someone is baptized, they're immersed under water, and then they victoriously rise up from water, as that resembles us being united with Jesus in his resurrection, in which you were also raised with him. As Jesus had power in the resurrection, and we too, one day, we will have victory over death and resurrection, and baptism, it represents that beautiful process represents that a man named Jesus of Nazareth, he died and he was buried. On the third day, he was resurrected to eternal life. And we have that same hope. That's what baptism represents. Baptism represents our new life as Christians. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 states, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when we are baptized, when Brenda and Evelyn and Ellie gave their life over to God and his son Jesus through the, through the waters of baptism, it represented newness of life. And that's one of the, the, the key themes of, of Paul's writings. He talks about our old life, our life before we put our faith in Jesus, and then our new life. And we're, we're, we're basically two completely different people. We have a newness of life, gone with, with our fleshly nature, and, and we put on the nature of God. And, and so this baptism represents new life. As Paul states, we too might walk in newness of life. It's the start of our lives as Christians, as children of God. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, last week, how when we dedicate our life to God, we then become children of God. And baptism represents that beginning. Number three, baptism represents the forgiveness of our sins. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 reads, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. 
we all have sin in our life. You and I, were the same in that way, and everybody outside of this church, we all have sin in our life. And similar, similarly, we all deserve death, as that, those are the wages of sin. Nothing more, we don't deserve anything more, and we, but we don't deserve anything less. We, we deserve death. That's what we deserve as human beings because we all have sin in our life. Well, we all know the story of the crucifixion and how Jesus, he died, he sacrificed for our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins. And baptism represents the washing away, the forgiveness of our sins. And so even though we deserve death, we can have eternal life in God's coming kingdom. And so just like when you throw your clothes in the wash or you wash your dishes in the sink and how you use the water to wash away all the filth, the waters of baptism represents the washing away, the forgiveness of your sins. And so that you can experience God's coming kingdom and have everlasting life. This all shows how important baptism is in our lives. It plays an extremely vital role. On top of all of that, Jesus commands us to be baptized. And the Great Commission, the last words in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus commands us, well, he commands the disciples to make, uh, to, to baptize people. And so we need to be baptized because of all these great representations. It represents the forgiveness of our sins, newness, and, and, and life. And it represents Jesus' death and, and resurrection. But also Jesus commands us to be baptized. So the incentive is there for us uh, to be baptized. Um, at this point uh, in time, if we have, uh, I think, Jamie and Maggie handing out uh, pieces of paper and pens, and we're going to take a look at four different examples in the book of Acts of people being baptized. Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, the word baptized occurs 71 times in the Bible, but of those 71 times, 21 occur in the book of Acts alone. That's almost a third. Almost a third of the time the Bible uh, says the word baptized, it takes place in the book of Acts. Acts was the start of the church after Jesus ascended into heaven at the right hand of God. And if you read through the book of Acts, it, it, it's 28 chapters long. If you read through it, you see people getting baptized left and right. And this morning, we're only going to take a look at four different examples of people being baptized, but there are a handful of other examples. And so as we take a look at, at these four different examples, you see on the, the sheet there th those four examples of either, either a person or a group of people being baptized. Um, I'm not initially, I'm not going to comment on uh, these different examples too much. Instead, I want you guys to be listening in on these words, whether reading in, uh, reading it in your own Bibles or reading up in the screen or just listening. I want you guys to take observations of what is taking place in these four instances of people being baptized. And at the end uh, of these four uh, texts, after we take a look at each of these and you guys write down your observations from each of these different passages, I want you guys to find any similarities between these four instances uh, of baptism in the book of Acts. 
And then we'll, we'll close uh, with, with similarities that I found um, in uh, the, these four instances of people being baptized in the book of Acts alone. So if you have your paper there, the, the, the top uh, answer there, the, the top prompt there is uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, Peter preaching at the day of Pentecost. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41, or you may just want to listen and write down observations, um, whatever uh, works best for you. But in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, this is a scripture that we've talked about a handful uh, of times. And Peter, he just got done delivering a rocking sermon. It cut to the hearts of the people. It was extremely convicting, extremely compelling. Uh, if you've not read uh, the sermon, I would uh, highly encourage you to do it um, because uh, you can see Peter's passion. And at the end of this sermon... Well, we're going to read, verse 37 reads, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what do you observe from this context and passage. And, and I want you guys to actually write down your observations. Again, this is in response to the sermon that Peter delivered to these group of people. And so this is uh, the first baptism uh, that we'll take a look at. The second baptism that we'll take a look at uh, this morning is found in Acts chapter 8. We're going to progress through the book of Acts here. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. Uh, we see that there was a magician named Simon. Yeah, a magician. There, there were people who actually practiced sorcery um, in, in the time of Jesus. And apparently, this magician, Simon, he was able to perform um, some great feats, so, some some non-natural, unnatural uh, performances that, that the ordinary person cannot perform. Uh, we don't really see that much, at, at least in our society. At least I haven't uh, seen much of that in our society and culture. And so the people, they were being influenced by the, this man named Simon who was a magician, and he was swaying their minds of the people away from God. And so then we come across Philip. Philip is someone we don't really read a whole lot about in the Gospels, but Philip was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus had. In Acts chapter 8, we get to read of two instances of Philip um, and, and people being baptized. And so the first that we see is in Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 13, um, in response to the people being swayed by Simon the magician. And so it reads uh, in verse 12, But when they believed Philip... As he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. 
Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So Philip preached the message of the kingdom in response to this. So what are the observations that stick out to you in Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13? And whatever those observations are, I want you to write them down. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just your observations, what you get out of this text. And so as you uh, finish writing down your observations of that second passage there, uh, the the next baptism that we will be uh, reading is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. And so here we're talking about Philip again. Again, one of the 12 disciples who just got done preaching the good news of the kingdom and all these people got baptized in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 8. Well, now Philip, he's talking with an Ethiopian eunuch. So a eunuch is someone who cannot or uh, chooses not to reproduce. This is known, uh, this is regarded by many to be the first conversion of a Gentile. A Gentile simply being someone who is not a Jew. And many people look at this story and they see that this is the first conversion of someone to Christianity who was not a Jew. That, that sometimes can be disputed among scholars. Some say that he's kind of uh, a Jew himself, but we won't uh, delve into that. Um, but so Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, they are riding in a chariot. This Ethiopian eunuch, he, he was talking about reading uh, the prophet Isaiah, and apparently Philip overheard this. And so Philip, he gets in the chariot with this eunuch. And so here's Philip and uh, this, this guy who we don't know his name, and they're riding in a chariot chariot talking about the prophet Isaiah. And so we pick up here in verse 35 of chapter 8, and it reads, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So what observations do you make of this instance of the Ethiopian man being baptized? So as you finish uh, writing that, uh, I'll flip to Acts chapter 16, uh, the last uh, instance of someone being baptized in the book of Acts that we'll take a look at. Again, there's many different examples, many other people being baptized. Um, But in Acts chapter 16, we're going to be reading verses 25 through 34. And here the context uh, of what's taking place here is Paul, the apostle, the writer of uh, about 13 books of the New Testament, um, a, a great missionary for God. Paul and his companion Silas, um, long story short, uh, they took a demon out of a, uh, out of a servant, a servant who w- was serving uh, their master who, who had a spear of divination and was able to fortune tell. Well, the people didn't like this. The people didn't like Paul and Silas stirring up this community. So they beat them up and they threw them in prison. 
for, uh, for taking this demon out, out of uh, the servant lady. And so in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, as Paul and Silas are in prison, it reads, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before uh, Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So an awesome story in the book of Acts about this great earthquake coming and Paul and Silas, they witness to this jailer. And so write down your observations of this event. And so these are four great examples of baptism in the book of Acts alone. alone uh, again, the word baptize is mentioned 21 times in the book of Acts. And there's plenty more people getting baptized, like Saul himself, Paul himself was baptized in the book of Acts. But with these four examples that we read and the, the other examples, they hold uh, true as well. What similarities do you notice between these four scenarios, these four instances of people? people being baptized. So I'm going to give you guys about 30 seconds to think about these four different instances. Look at your observations. And do you guys notice any similarities between uh, these four instances of people being baptized? And so I'll give you guys about 30 seconds uh, to sort this out in uh, your minds. And again, there's no right or wrong answer. All right, I see a handful of you guys uh, still writing, but uh, in lieu of people awkwardly staring at me, uh, we'll uh, continue along. But how many of you guys were able to find uh, any similarities uh, between uh, these four instances? Um, uh, okay, a handful of you guys, a majority of you guys. 
Um, uh, I love to hear uh, those similarities uh, afterwards and what you discovered and what you observed uh, from uh, these stories. Uh, But for me, I noticed two big similarities between uh, these four instances. And and these two similarities hold true to every other story in the book of Acts about people getting baptized. And so for me, the two similarities that I noticed, you can write these down at the bottom of your paper. The first similarity that I noticed is that someone shared the word of God and someone received the word of God. Did anybody else come away? Uh, Missy, yes. Did anybody else come away with that similarity? A handful of you guys, yes. Someone shared the word of God and someone received the word of God. All four of these accounts, this statement holds true. And this statement holds true with all the other accounts of people being baptized in the book of Acts. So in in Acts chapter 2, Peter, he delivered a sermon. He delivered a rocking sermon to the people, and he delivered the word of God to the people. And the people, they then received that message. And as they received that message, they asked Peter, how shall we respond? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And so Peter shared this good news in a sermon sort of setting, in a setting similar uh, to us today here in church, and the people they then received that message. Kind of in a similar scenario, in Acts chapter 8, Philip, he was preaching the good news of the kingdom. And the people, they received this message of the kingdom, and the people, they responded to this message of the kingdom well, by, uh, by eventually being baptized. But everyone listened to him, or at least the, the, the people that are recorded there, they, they listened, they received his message, even Simon the magician. If you, if you took note of that, Simon the magician himself, the, the, the person who was kind of swaying them away from God with his sorcery, he heard the word of God and he received the word of God. And then on a more intimate level, in Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, it's a one-on-one conversation. They're sitting in a chariot together, uh, going to uh, their, their, their destination, and they're talking, they're initially talking about the prophet Isaiah, but it reads uh, that, that Philip began uh, to talk about the good news of Jesus. So in Isaiah, we read about like the suffering servant songs, the, the, the prophecies of Jesus uh, being crushed and pierced for our iniquities and transgressions. And so I imagine that's kind of how it led into a conversation about Jesus are talking about Emmanuel um, uh, earlier on in the book of uh, Isaiah, but uh, there's many instances where the prophet Isaiah leads to the Messiah. And so uh, Philip here, he uses this opportunity to talk about the good news of Jesus. And so he shared this good news with uh, this uh, Ethiopian man, and this Ethiopian man, he received the good news of Jesus. He received the word of God. And then finally, in Acts chapter 16, with Paul and Silas and the jailer, they, uh, as uh, the earthquake came and everybody was able to leave, the jailer was about to kill himself because he would have been in deep doo-doo. But uh, instead, Paul says, whoa, 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 don't kill yourself, man. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. And he was amazed by that. He, he, he heard them singing hymns earlier, giving praise to God while they were in prison. I don't know about you, but that wouldn't be my initial reaction to sing hymns and praise God after I'd gotten beaten up and, and uh, in prison because of my faith in God. That, that wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't think that would be my initial instinct, my initial reaction. But then the jailer asked, 
what must I do to be saved? And so Paul and Silas, they took this opportunity to share uh, the word of the Lord. They spoke the word of the Lord to the jailer and his household. And the jailer and his household received this word of the Lord. It appears to me that none of these four instances and none of the other baptisms that took place in the book of Acts, it appears to me that none of them would have happened if someone would not have shared the word of God with them. That is the first step. The Ethiopian man, the jailer, the 3,000 souls saved uh, on the day of Pentecost and, and all the people that Philip preached to, none of them would have gave their life to God. None of them would have given their life to Jesus, at least not at that moment, had they not shared the word of God with them. And so that's a similarity that I found between all four instances. And this sharing the word of God, it can take on a number of different forms. We see in Acts chapter 2 with Peter preaching and Philip in Acts chapter 8, they are preaching. You know, in a very similar setting to this right now. But we see that Philip and the Ethiopian man and uh, Paul and Silas and the jailer, it was an intimate conversation. It was, an, it was a common, ordinary conversation about the word of the Lord. They were talking with those around them in, in, in a dialogue, not necessarily a monologue, but a dialogue about Jesus, about the good news of Jesus. And so, yeah, maybe some of you guys aren't ever going to get up and preach and deliver a sermon to a group of people, but we all have that responsibility to share the word of God. And it doesn't have to be up in front of a group of people and, and, and preaching to them. Instead, you can talk to them on an intimate level, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, saying, hey, do you know the good news of Jesus? Do you know that there was a man who died for your sins? Because he loves you so much. And there's a God who loves you so much that laid down his son for you. Did you know that? Did you know that? Do you want to take this more seriously? Do you want to know more about this? Can I share this word of God with you? Studies show that is the single most effective mode of evangelism. Relational evangelism. Talking one-on-one -on -one with your friends or family or coworkers or whomever it may be the single most effective mode of evangelism. And so we must be, if you're someone who's been baptized, we must be sharing the word of God with others because these people in the book of Acts, they would not have been baptized had someone not shared the word of God with them. So that was the first similarity that I took note of uh, in, in these four instances. The second similarity that I found in these four accounts and, and as well every other instance in the book of Acts as well is that the people did not wait. They did not wait. You, you can write that as a second similarity down at the bottom of your page. They did not wait. In Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, it appears that 3,000 people got baptized that day. That day, after Peter delivered the sermon, said that that day 3,000 souls were saved. And so we can apply that on that day, 3,000 people were baptized after hearing the word of God through Peter's sermon. In Acts chapter 8, when, when Philip preached the gospel message uh, of the kingdom, in Acts chapter 8, the people believed and they were baptized. They didn't wait. Philip and, and the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, they were riding in a chariot, and they were having this conversation, and they didn't even wait to get to their end destination. The eunuch said, hey, 
I command this chariot to stop now so that I can get baptized because I heard and I've received this word of God. There's a man named Jesus who died for my sins and I can have newness of life. He stopped all that he did upon hearing and believing the good news and commanded the chariot to stop. Paul and Silas, uh, when, when they were talking to uh, the, the jailer in Acts chapter 16, after this great miracle happened of this earthquake, they later had that conversation that same night, and they were talking to the jailer and his household, and it says that night, it reads the same hour of the night, the same hour of the night, the jailer and his household, they were baptized. And so in none of these instances did these people wait to get their lives in order. It appears that some of these people uh, had not faith, knowledge, or belief in Jesus before they heard this message. I I get that sense from the jailer, that that he didn't have any faith. He didn't have a belief. He didn't have any knowledge of Jesus before this conversation. But once they heard this message, and once they believed this message, once they believed that that Jesus died for their sins, and once they committed their life to God and his son Jesus, there was no delay. They, they, they did not wait. They didn't wait to get their lives in order. There is no reason to delay. As soon as you have decided to receive Christ into your life, you can and should be baptized. If you wait until you are perfect, you'll never be ready. So once you have that belief, now you can't get baptized if you don't have that belief. If you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross and you don't really want to commit your life over to God and his son Jesus, and I say, yeah, but baptism isn't for you at this moment. But if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, if you want to commit your life to Jesus, then when I look through, the, through these examples in the book of Acts, these people didn't wait. They didn't hesitate. They got baptized. They wanted to devote. They wanted to commit their life to Jesus at that moment. So my perception, my interpretation is that once you believe in Jesus and decide to receive him in your life, that is the time then to be baptized. We don't need to wait. And so those are the two key takeaways that that I want you guys to come away with uh, today. And so one If you have already been baptized, I'm proud of you. Uh, uh, That that is awesome. That's the best decision that you will make in your life. But we have to remember that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of your journey. And now the responsibility is on you to share the word of God. Because if you got baptized, I would dare say someone shared the word of God with you. I would dare say if no one ever shared the word of God with you, then I would dare say you would have never gotten baptized. Every single instance that we read in scripture, someone shared the word of God, and then they then received the word of God, and then they were baptized. And so if you've already been baptized, the job is not done. Baptism is just the beginning. Your job, your responsibility now is to share this word of God with others so they can hear, so they can receive And so then they can make the decision on their own. It's not up to you to make the decision for them. That's not your responsibility. That's not your job. That's not what God has commissioned you with. That's not what Jesus has commissioned you with. But they've commissioned you with sharing that good news of Jesus with those around you. 
And so number two, if you haven't been baptized and you have heard the good news and you believe the good news and, and you accept and you commit your life to Jesus, then I would say there's no need to wait to get baptized. When we read of all these different instances of people in the book of Acts, not one of them delayed their decision to get baptized once they heard and believed in the good news. And so if you have that sincere belief, that sincere desire to accept Jesus, then I would encourage you to get baptized. I would say you are ready. Maybe you just need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that you are ready. Let me tell you, you are ready if you have that sincere belief and you want to commit your life to Jesus. You are ready. You are ready for baptism as these people, they did not delay. So those are the two key takeaways from this morning. Number one, if you're baptized, go and share the word. Number two, if you're not baptized and you have a belief and you have the desire to accept Jesus, then I'd say get ready. You're ready up for the task of getting baptized and joining Brenda and Evelyn and Allie and everyone else in here who devoted their life over to Jesus through the waters of baptism. And so traditionally, after the service, uh, I head straight out of the sanctuary and uh, go, go to the sanctuary doors to try and catch as many of you guys before you leave and build those connections. But today, I'm going to do it a little different. Today, after the service, after uh, Jen and the worship team seeing their last song, I'm going to stay up here uh, on the stage. And if there's anybody in here who hasn't been baptized, who, who has a sincere belief in Jesus, that Jesus died for your sins, and you have the desire to commit your life to Jesus, I'll be up here ready to have that conversation with you, um, and, and I would encourage you to do so as it's an important decision, and there's no need to wait if you have that belief, if you have that desire to serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Father God, I thank you for uh, the examples of Brenda and Evelyn and Ellie of uh, the wonderful uh, promises, the wonderful joy that comes along with getting baptized. Father, I pray for everyone here who has been baptized, I pray that you grant us the courage, the boldness, the desire, and the passion to share your word with those around us. Father, I pray that we fulfill our responsibility as your children, as heirs of your coming kingdom. And Father, this morning I pray that if there's anybody here who has a belief in your son and you, a belief that you sent your son to die for them, Father, I pray that you give them the courage. I pray that you give them the boldness to step out and to say that I'm ready, I'm ready to commit my life to you. As a Father, I just thank you for this church. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.